0: We're going to walk through the Bible and look at references and instances and discussions and you know moves of the Holy Spirit. So in, in a sense if you were here last time we did like what, what we call like a topical approach and that's kind of what we're doing. We're doing a topical approach so we're going to look at all the topic is the Holy Spirit and we're going to look through the Bible and As we look through the Bible, uh, things about the Holy Spirit will come out. One of the things that uh, is really important uh, for, I really want to encourage you to do, it's not easy to do, but you can do it. What you kind of need to do sometimes is when when you're reading the Bible, you need to take your thinking out of it. Now, I don't know if that makes sense, but what I mean is, you already have thoughts. Like, you have already have thoughts about the Holy Spirit, about who he is. You know, if I use the word, you know, he's one of the persons of the Trinity. You have all these thoughts. You, you've already kind of gone through teaching of, of, uh, of, like, say, the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the indwelling, uh, you know, presence of the Holy Spirit, if I could say it in a more theological way. Um, those kind of things. You already have all these, in a sense, preconceived thoughts about a subject any subject that you would study in the bible but if you really want to try to get a fresh and a new perspective one of the things that you need to kind of do is you need to say all right i don't know anything i forget everything i'm willing to believe anything you know you know i say that carefully but, but, but that's really the way you will see new things in, in the Word. And, and again, I'm, I'm going to keep stressing, we're here to learn the Bible, to try to learn deeper things about the Bible. So, so like, for example, um, take, for example, the subject I spoke on this morning uh, in Luke 17. Now, I read Luke 17, 1 through 10, over and over and over and over and over again. I kept reading it. I didn't read anything else. I just kept reading that and then I said hey I better look at Luke 16 and I kind of looked at Luke 16 and I kind of want to look at the bottom part of Luke 17 and Luke 18 so I can get a feel for what's going on but I want to just keep concentrating on Luke 17 and I don't want to think about anything like previous I just want to read and keep reading and then eventually as you're reading. And then maybe I did, I did a little bit of study, I, I found that word, you know, and that's kind of how I ended up getting to Luke 17. But then all of a sudden I started seeing things that I had never seen before, and started thinking about things that I had never thought about before when I read Luke 17, and that's when I began to kind of, uh, like Taylor said, the, he said, I put the dots together. I started, all these dots started like lining up, and I started, oh, okay, this is kind of what he's saying. The same thing happened to me when I was doing uh, Matthew 13 on all those parables because you sometimes think those parables are all separate but actually they're not they all make sense and they're all together I mean when the writer was writing he had a, in a sense he had like almost one theme in mind as he was writing every one of those parables even though they had different things they all related and you don't see it until you sit there and say forget about my theology I hate to say it that way and let's see what it says let's see what it speaks to us and so that's what we're going to do tonight as we just uh we're going to just walk through and look at the different instances in the bible uh uh, and specifically we're going to look from genesis through um genesis through second kings some of chronicles because chronicles is part of that um and then we're going to stop okay and Sometimes we're going to stop and say, what did we learn? What does this say to us about the Holy Spirit? What does this say to us? Because that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to understand and see if I said it this way, then I would be showing you that I already have theology. If I was to say to you, we're going to look at the Holy Spirit and see who he says he is. See, now I already told you that I think something. So what if I just said, well, let's look at the Holy Spirit or this thing called spirit of god and see what it's saying to us now i you know see so this is kind of the approach you want to take now for me when i began to look at this and i kind of already knew i'd obviously done some some reading on this uh, previously from this study Um, i love the holy spirit um i probably should give you some of my preconceived notions um, we are in the age of the Holy Spirit. There's no doubt in my mind that everything now is about the Holy Spirit. So I'll give you a little bit of upfront, so I'll actually corrupt you before we get in. <laughs> um, and that is, if you look in the, in, in the Word, uh, if I was to say, if I had to categorize, I would say the Old Testament is, is really all about the Father and what the Father is doing to set up history to restore man, and how he's setting up, actually, the coming of his son. And then, so you have, like, all these, these, uh, these uh, you know, chapters, these books, right? A lot of them, right? All about that. Then, you got Jesus. And Jesus is like, <laughs> it's really amazing how much Jesus has done in basically three years really in three years he changed the world it's amazing to I me mean, that's what makes me amazed that he is who he is and so that that's really only uh, from you know say matthew really only till acts right and that's the the time of christ and now i'm going to talk end times a little bit and then uh, you've got the book of acts and then you have all the epistles all the way through till say, Revelation. But even Revelation is part of that. Uh, but that's all talking about the Holy Spirit now. And that's why I went, and, and we're going to get to this. We won't get this tonight. In Joel chapter 2, verse 28, he says, I will pour out my Spirit upon all men, that young men, and old men shall see visions, old men shall dream dreams, and upon my manservants and maidservants, you know, uh, I will pour out my spirit. Uh, that is the, the crowning verse in Acts that is referenced uh, when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit comes. From that time until Christ returns, it's the age of the church and it's really the move of the Holy Spirit. Everything is that. Everything is that. And then when Christ comes back, when he returns, of course, it's going to be about him again okay so that's kind of the whole bible in one big swoop and so what we want to do tonight is we're just going to look uh, first we'll look in the pentateuch and then we'll look in uh, you know uh, judges and all of that stuff and then we'll we're going to go just almost book for book and look at some of the references we won't catch them all but some of the main references of the holy spirit and uh, hopefully we learn something about the holy spirit so again try to take your theology out for just a minute and just let's just look and see where it takes us see what we learn as we just look at these different references so so that's why i said part 1 and then we'll probably do prophets and 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 all about the holy spirit jesus one of the biggest sermons jesus actually preaches is all about the holy spirit in in john chapter 14 15 um, so we're going to look at the Pentateuch, who knows what the Pentateuch is, shout it out if you know what it is, first five books of the Old Testament, and so we're going to look at that, and what we're going to find is, basically, oh I'll just skip that, basically the first verse of the Bible references the Holy Spirit, kind of interesting, I find that interesting, uh, and so most of, my, most of my slides are scriptures. Um, So basically, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and now the earth was formless and uh, empty, darkness uh, was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now, that's all it says. It really doesn't say anything, and then it says what? And then it says, and then God spoke, and this is what happened. So... The only really thing we can see and kind of learn a little bit about the Holy Spirit in this first verse is that the the Spirit of God is associated with the creative activity of God. That he was present when the earth was being formed. You can make a lot of uh, assumptions. You could make a lot of assumptions. You could say that when God spoke, you know, the Holy Spirit moved. But it doesn't say that. See, this is the thing you have to be very careful again I'm going to continue to try to teach you how to look at the Bible as we look at the Bible. You could say that. You could say, well, when God spoke, all of a sudden, as he spoke, it was the Holy Spirit went and did it, and he parted the waters, and he, you know, all of that, right? And you could make a whole big thing out of it, but it doesn't say it. So you don't know. It's possible, but you just don't know. This is why we have to be really careful when we start making what we, and you've heard me say this before, arguments from silence. If it doesn't say it, you can think it says it, you can talk about what it might happen, but that's the way you really should say it. You say, well, it doesn't say it, but I think maybe this is what it is. I don't know, but this is what it might be. Because you don't know. As I said before, I'll I'll repeat again, it's good if I repeat things. You know, like for example, when uh, Abraham, it says, you know, Abraham heard God and he said go leave this country and go to the place I promised right all right he heard God how was it a voice was he just like out one day and all of a sudden Abram maybe it's very possible but you don't know maybe he was praying and all of a sudden he heard maybe he was like having a midlife crisis and he thought he heard I mean no I'm kidding But, (laughs) but you know you just don't know you don't know because it doesn't say now, when, when Jesus got baptized and he was coming up out of the water, you know that it was actually an audible voice because it says people heard, people, you know, it wasn't just one person. So we know this. But in some places, don't assume. So like when we're talking about how God speaks, some people think, you know, he talks to you. Like, yeah, sometimes he does. Has anybody heard the voice of God, like literally with their ears? How many have, how many have, how many have had, had God speak to them? Yeah. Okay, how? Well, visions, dreams, all kinds of different things. So in here, all we get is that the, that the, the Spirit of God did exist and was here at the beginning, which to me is exciting. It's exciting to know that in the beginning, uh, the Spirit of God was already there. It doesn't say anything about what that Spirit is. I mean, we can study the the Aramaic and stuff but it doesn't really say it's just he's there and he's kind of roaming around hovering he's floating whatever word you want to use that's all it is okay all right and then we see again in Genesis we're just kind of walking through to see the different verses in Genesis we see it he says something quite interesting this is in Genesis 6 when uh, right before you know uh, uh, Noah's going to build it and he's he's tired it says that the sin uh on the earth is like just so bad and it says that my spirit cannot contain uh contend, contend with man forever for he mankind is moral uh and his and and his his days uh, will be numbered 120 years so what we see here is the holy spirit is actually like going i can't handle it anymore interesting so what we learn what we can learn just quick easy things one spirit of god started at the beginning and he's still walking even after the fall he's still hanging around he's still hovering over the earth he's still around and he's with man he's just with man and he has some power because he just shortened the days of man interesting so in a sense he's a bit of a judge or a bit of a commander and he has power on earth. And this is what we learn from this. And I don't want to go any further because if I go any further, I think I might be starting to, the word would be postulate. Uh, and I don't want to do that. But he does contend with man. But he does contend with man so he's, he's kind of striving with man. And he's getting upset with man at the same time he's trying to be with them. That's right. And that's what we learn from this. So we're just, we're just getting glimpses of the Holy Spirit. I'll give you this up front, uh, but you'll see me say it more later. One of the things you'll notice in the Old Testament, I just told Josh this earlier, you'll notice in the Old Testament is that in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit is not described. Whereas in the New Testament, Jesus describes the Holy Spirit. But in the Old Testament, he's not described. He's just kind of there, and things are talked about like like he's there, and this is what he does. But it never really says the Holy Spirit is... Blah, blah, blah. Like Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is an advocate. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will live in you. you know? so, so he's talking like about the Holy Spirit. The, in the Old Testament, there's not really a discussion about the Holy Spirit. He's just there, and things happen, and we can learn from what he does and how he moves, okay? So then we go all the way. We jump all the way even into now Pharaoh in, in, in chapter 41, It says, can we find a man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? And he's referring to Joseph. And so at this time, right around this time, you can see that people would be able to say, hey, he has the Spirit. He has the Spirit of God in him. Or I wouldn't say in him, that would be a wrong term, because he doesn't say that. Who has the Spirit of God, that's all they say. And so Pharaoh's looking for someone, and of course... It's Joseph. And so you can know that Joseph, it doesn't say when Joseph received the Holy Spirit, whatever word you want to use. It doesn't say anything like that, but somehow, probably the ability to interpret dreams and the ability to have the skill that he had and the way he had favor on him was probably due to the fact that he had the Spirit of God with him. We don't know how. It doesn't say Joseph prayed every day. It doesn't say anything about that. Have you noticed... Joseph, it doesn't ever say that Joseph, in a sense, is a godly man, in a sense. It doesn't say that. It never tells you, like, how it says about Daniel. Daniel, it says, you know, he prayed all the time, and we heard Rachel's great message about Daniel. And, um, you know, but here, it doesn't say, but somehow they knew he had the Spirit, and that's what we know. That's it. It's all we heard. So we keep going. And in Exodus, we have our first kind of direct reference uh, to the Holy Spirit. Because at this point, they're going to build the, the tabernacle and, and God tasks and requires and says, I am going to give two men my spirit. They're going to, Actually, doesn't say it that way. He says, there are, well, let's just read what he says. God promised to fill two men. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't have the exact reference. Sorry, I just referenced my notes here. But basically, these two men were filled with the Holy Spirit and they could build the tabernacle. As a matter of fact, God didn't want anyone else to build them. He assigned those two. He said, because they have the Spirit or I'm going to, I don't want to say I'm going to give it because I would be misquoting. So we have two men here. And so what we can learn is that some things that God does, he requires the Holy Spirit to do that no one else could do. Without the Spirit, you couldn't do it. And that's what we learn from here. And, and this filling of the Spirit was a source to give skill, ability, knowledge. Now we start seeing some things that the Holy Spirit actually does. He gives empowered skill, empowered ability, empowered knowledge. Probably, I would say, even empowered, in this case, empowered uh, discernment to understand the instructions on how to build what God wanted. Very interesting, very interesting thing. So we see that he supplies some kind of like supernatural ability here. And this is the first reference really where God where, where God says, this is, this is the Holy Spirit is on these guys. And then we get to Numbers. And to be honest with you, I love Numbers. I think Numbers is an amazing book. If you are avoiding Numbers, go back and read Numbers. Numbers is like when I first when I first thought to read Numbers, I'm like, I don't want to read Numbers. But then as I kept reading it, there's, there's so much stuff in Numbers. And in here we see a really, really amazing thing. Now the story here is that Moses, You got the, the people are out in the, uh, in, you know, in the wilderness, and Moses is leading them. They've already been delivered, and they're going to the promised land, and, uh, and they're eating uh, manna, you know, Every day the dew on the earth turns into manna. Woo! And yet the people are complaining. Supernatural manna. And yet the people are complaining. Don't think that there's anything wrong with them because, but by the grace of God, there go we. Don't do that to yourself when you're reading the scriptures. Don't say, oh, that was them. No, say that probably was me. (laughs) You know? Because like for example, when they sent the spies into the land, they spent they sent how many? How many spies? Twelve, yeah? And what was the report? Ten to two, right? Ten to two. Which is what? Less than ten percent, right? Or is it is that ten percent? Right, whatever it was. Right? But anyways, it was really bad. Now, what makes you think that you would have been the two? You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, you've got the name, so... But, you know, so so be careful when you distance yourself. And actually, when you do that, you will not learn. What you should say is, maybe that would have been me. Now, why would that have been me? What happened to these guys? What did they do that gave them a bad report? That's the idea. And so here, in Numbers 11... They're complaining. Now, I got revelation just the other day on this scripture, uh, just in in reading it. And so they're complaining. Now, I believe that Moses probably was working so hard at this point. You've got to remember there's two million people or so that he's cotton around, that he's moving around. you know, And he's trying his best to take care of all the arguments and all the problems and all the situation. And actually what he says is, In this passage, he says, God, why have you done this to me? He says, if you have favor on me, kill me. That's exactly what he says. He says, kill me. If you have favor, kill me. That's what he says. It's so funny, right? Right? Why? Because he's overworked, underpaid, and underappreciated. So that's a a principle right away, guys. When you feel overworked underpaid and underappreciated you can have suicidal thoughts it's very real you know so what, is, what does god say god says i will come down and i will speak with you there and i will take some of the power of the spirit that is on you and put them put it on them and and they will share the burden uh, of the people with you so that you can uh you are not the only one to carry it alone now there is a lot to learn here now there's a lot to unlearn here (laughs) okay so what we see what happened is he meets them and it says that the, the the fire that was on him some of the fire was taken from him and placed upon uh these elders and then they were to carry out Uh, help carry out the duties that Moses was doing so what can we learn about the Holy Spirit here that he can go from one to another yeah that he can be placed upon people yep that's one that the Holy Spirit that God knows that you can be overwhelmed and he wants others to have that same spirit so that you're not yep To share the burden? Yeah, and that's a big one. As we look into, if we now put our knowledge caps back on, we look into the uh, New Testament, we think of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and how the Spirit says that he arranges everyone in a certain way so that they all do their parts. And so we can see this kind of happening here. We get a glimpse of this in the Old Testament where God's saying, hey, there are others that need to help you. This happens twice to to uh to moses it happens in another time where uh this father-in-law says man you need all that you need some help man you need some help you need to appoint others to do the job Joshua, were you going to say something yes very good very good i'm going to cheat i'm going to give you a future thought that will i know we'll share in the old testament and what we'll see as we go in the old testament you'll notice that not everyone has the spirit of god not everyone actually the prophets uh, some kings one, some kings one or two kings had it but like the the, the the spirit kind of like rested on one person and what you'll see is people end up like rallying around them because why? They don't have the spirit. One person has it. So everybody kind of follows that person, right? But in the New Testament, it says, I will pour my spirit out upon all men. That's why the prophet is not as prominent in the New Testament. Why? Because we're all prophets. Because we all have the spirit of God. So now the, the, the role of the leader is still there, but not as... Um, prominent is the word they are so even though like i'm the pastor uh you know i'm one of the leaders i'm i'm not i know that people look like this we've got to stop this now i'm preaching i told you all my teaching turns into preaching and thank god i only went said i'm only going to second kings um you know uh you know look at the churches you know here's you know here's the church you know everybody know that little thing Here's the church, here's the people, open the door, here's all the people. But that's not how it is, really. Here's the church, here's the pastor, open up the door, and this is where the pastor is. <laughs> He's on top. He's the spiritual one. He's the, this is not even part of the New Testament. It shouldn't even be that way. Now, I'm not saying... He doesn't give some to be apostles, uh, pastors, teachers. No, yeah, for the equipping of the saints. Why? Because the saints have the Holy Spirit. Same spirit that raised, that raised Christ from the dead lives in me, lives in you. Totally different in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit is in like one or two, so people rally around. But here we see this, um, this, this, this distributing of the Holy Spirit. It's one of the most amazing parts of the Old Testament, I think, is we see this happen. And we don't see this happen in too many places. Maybe one kind of place uh, in, the, in, the, in the Old Testament again. But here, very unique. You were going to say something. Yeah, in this story, when, uh, when this happens, there's two guys that don't... I'll, we're going to get to them. Can I, I'm going to hold because we're going to actually talk about those two. Really interesting. Yes. Yes. Two slides later. Okay. <laughs> now one more thought here that's really really uh, to me very important this is where we take theology and we go too far with it impartation I take the spirit that's in me and I impart the spirits. I'm not saying there's a lot of scripture in the New Testament where people laid hands on people and they received the Holy Spirit it's all there but you have to be really careful. But impartation kind of comes from this verse. I'll take what's in me and I'll pour it into you. Now, I think just taking that one step too far. You don't, you know, you got to be careful with that. And so this is just, just I just wanted to make that thought. We're going to get right to you, right? Now, I just want to show you something. something I shared Tuesday with the staff. It's really interesting. So we see people complained, right? people complained the leader was struggling the leader distributes the spirit upon others right and what happens after that the complaint is satisfied most of the time our complaints will be satisfied through the power of the holy spirit as we walk in the spirit it's just an interesting thought because what happens later is that complaint goes away they're complaining about meat meat does come only after the holy spirit gets poured out to other people very interesting and now your question later in luke in in numbers uh, chapter 11 a young man ran and this was actually that young man was actually uh joshua i believe uh ran and told moses hey these two guys don't let me i don't want to butcher their names are prophesying in the camp like they were they They weren't there with Moses when the spirit got, you know, uh, distributed. So Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, one of his choice men, answered and said, Moses, my Lord, forbid them. Then Moses said to him, are you jealous for my sake? Oh, that the Lord's people, what a prophecy. Oh, that the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them, meaning on them all. And Moses returned to the camp and the elders also. So Moses says, don't do it. Just It's okay. They're, they're prophesying. Praise God. We got some spillage of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Two other guys were prophesying. Very similar to a passage in the New Testament where they said, these guys are doing something in your name, but they're not part of us. And what does Jesus say? If they're not against us, they're for us. Let them do what they're doing. Don't forbid the Holy Spirit. Let him move. Let him be who he is. Let him do what he does. Who are we to stop the Holy Spirit? That's a whole other sermon. We won't get it. So that's a, to me, it's a really, really interesting passage. And then we go to Deuteronomy, uh, because Joshua, uh, Moses is now, uh, this is when Moses is going to uh, depart and uh, a young man ran to uh, and told Joshua, Moses, uh, then Moses said, oh, Lord, you see the, excuse me, you, I'm, I'm, I'm a little dyslexic, so forgive me. I get all mixed up when I have to read out loud. Oh, Lord, Lord, you are the God who gives breath to all creatures. Right away, I find it very interesting, that, that very phrase right there, because the breath of God is normally thought of as the spirit of God. Really, I mean, you can get some theology out of here. Please appoint a new man as a leader for the community. Give give them someone who will guide them wherever they go and lead them into battle so the community of the Lord will not be like a sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord replied, Take Joshua, son of Nun, who has the Spirit in him, and lay your hands on him. Now Joseph a son of Nun was full of the Holy Spirit of wisdom, for the Moses had lay hands on him. So the excuse me, so the people of Israel obeyed him, doing just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Now, very, very interesting stuff there. Very interesting stuff. Joshua already had the Spirit. That's what we read, and yet God says, "Lay your hands on them." And I don't believe that's for impartation, even though it says, "Because you know." I think he already had the Spirit, and then he's saying, I now anoint you to be the leader. That's what I believe. Now, you notice how I say I believe, because that's an argument from something that I'm drawing from. But the interesting thing is, we learn about the Spirit here is that God knew that it needed to be someone filled with the Spirit to lead. They had to have the Spirit. We see this over and over again. Even when the king comes to. Uh, rise as we're going to see in a minute uh, as the king comes Saul he puts the spirit of God in them he wants the spirit to lead God's people God's spirit must lead God's people that's what we learn that's the key here is without the spirit we're in trouble you need the spirit to you need the spirit for direction let's just say it that way okay so basically that's the Pentateuch There's some of the references, oh man, okay, I'm doing all right. Uh, Some of the references and the things, there are a couple of others, but that's the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. Now we haven't learned a whole lot about the Holy Spirit, we just kind of, we're learning some things, but there's no description of what it is or he is, I I don't even want to say that because... There's really no description there. Now, you could go into the, into the Aramaic, and I'm sure it's actually a masculine um, noun used for the Holy Spirit. There are a couple of interesting things that I could bring up about the Trinity, but I'm not even going to do that. We'll deal with all that uh, in later. Because you don't want to jump into all these conclusions. If you do, you're just laying your theology on what you're reading. And that's the whole idea is not to do that. Any questions, comments, thoughts? If not, we will continue. Okay? All right. So now we're going to look at the spirit in the historical books. Uh, And what we're going to find is that this is where the spirit is operating within the law. And what I mean by that, now we have to remember, if you came to my covenants class, the covenant is the covenant of the law at this point. So the spirit is going to operate within that context of that covenant. So you can't just look at it. Not that he would do anything different, but he is working within that covenant that God has with his people. And what you're going to find, and and I'll probably say it in this next slide anyways. Yeah, I'll just say it here. And so in the historical books, uh, when they follow what God said, the enemies are driven out. Every single time they follow what God says... The enemies are driven out. And every time they allow sin and and they disobey what God says, they lose. Every time. And so we get this contrast here and what he's trying to say is this whole time, this time frame is a time about obedience to the Spirit of God and what God says. Not a bad thought. Amen? Can I get an amen? Amen kind of pretty dumb we follow what god wants we win we follow what god doesn't want we lose pretty straightforward yeah i mean that's really the case right that's it and actually i believe that is a godly principle that lasts from all time all ages all classes all social economic and cultural issues follow what god wants you win follow what god doesn't want you lose very simple Now, don't define win and lose, please. I didn't say. Don't define win. That's where you always make the mistake. Okay? All right. So here we go. And basically, in the book of Judges, uh, this is during a time of the book of Judges. We have to understand the book of Judges. What's going on is uh, one of the main phrases of the book of Judges is, people did what was right in their own eyes. And there's this big circle, this cycle in, in Judges. You know, people did whatever they want, and then all kinds of disaster came. The prophet came on the scene, uh, you know, restored them, got them into the right place, all until they started doing this again, and then they had this big circle. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, this is the thing. When you study these books, what you'll find is, you know what, it's no different. We have the same thing, you know, when we start doing what is right in our own eyes, you know, I-, I always say it this way, you know, God's sitting there and says, Donald, you should go that way. And I go, yeah, I got this one, God, I know what I'm doing. He goes, all right. So and I go this way, you know, and I go this way until there's disaster. And finally I get disaster, and I sit back down with God, I said, God, I think I'm gonna go that way. He goes, that's a good idea, go that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's really what happens, right? We go in these circles until we, the thing about God and again the thing about God is unlike the world who will graduate you even if you don't pass who will graduate you because you cheated who will graduate you for 17 reasons other than the fact that you actually passed God will not you can stay in the first grade all your life and God will just he's very relaxed to have you know a 75 year old man in. in in spiritual life 101 and he will not let you walk out that door you you walk out the door and then you'll you'll just like you you'll walk right back in you think you're in a different class you're in the same class (laughs) that's how God does it he does not graduate you until you actually get the truth and move on and move on to other levels so so in the book of uh judges basically there's three I'm not going to talk a lot about uh, Deborah because really there's not much to be said other than one thought, uh, but this is, you know, everyone did what was right in their own eyes, and, and this is a time when God kept trying to restore the people through judges or prophets. They, they kind of interchange those two words uh, throughout the book. And so Deborah's first, and Deborah, you know, she was a prophet who was judging at that time. Yeah, the most interesting thing that we can learn, because when they use the word prophet, they do mean, they do mean that the Spirit of God is working within them. I mean, that's, I can prove that out. It'll take me a while, but it's easy to see. The interesting thing is she's a woman. That's, one of, to me, the most, one of the most interesting things about Deborah, because you realize how counterculture that is, that she would be the one to judge, that she would be ruling. I mean, come on you know what the jewish prayer is even to this day every day the jewish the 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 priest will pray thank you god that i'm not a woman that's truth. christianity over every religion has elevated women farther than any other religion that is on the face of the earth there is no doubt about it and that's why i remember that book you read i thought it was amazing i forget it was all about the asian cultures he wasn't even a christian and he wrote that as well he said if you look christianity elevates women and here it's already happening spirit of god is in a woman prophesying and judging uh the uh the 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 people so what does that tell you about the spirit is he doesn't care whether you're a woman or a man he doesn't care he's not it's not interested in him I just saw another quote from a guy that drives me nuts, and I haven't said anything to him on Facebook because I know I'm just going to cause an argument. And, you know, he's like, Women should keep silent in the church. Please study your Bible and read what that actually but means. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, let's move on quickly. But now we have Gideon. Now, Gideon is an amazing a study of the Spirit, and we see a lot, we learn a whole lot about the spirit in Gideon's life. Now, because Gideon was a very unconfident, very low self-esteem. I'm the least of the least of the least. He was hiding from the enemy. He was actually, what is he? He was pressing wine in the, in the was it in the wheat place? Like, it wasn't even in a wine press. He was hiding out. And he was afraid of the enemy. And the, the spirit of God, or the, the, the angel comes in and says, mighty warrior. He's like, me? Mighty warrior? <clears throat> Not me. All right, he comes in and this happens. It says, then the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power. He, and, then, and then Gideon blew his ram's horn and called to arms. So he goes from this very unconfident guy to this powerhouse. And what's really interesting is that whole expression, when you study it, basically says that basically the Holy Spirit took Gideon's skin and surrounded himself. The the spirit surrounded himself with Gideon's body. What was of Gideon was his skin. That's basically what that means. It's like the Holy Spirit was a hand and Gideon was the glove and he he put it on. That's what that's talking about. And here we see an infilling of the spirit of great power and might that changes a person. This is we see the first kind of instinct where we see this change in reference to the Holy Spirit, and we'll see it more as we go, that when the Holy Spirit comes on someone, they change. And he goes from a very unconfident person to a very confident one and who follows, he's a little scared, but he continues to just let the Spirit move in him, and he keeps doing mighty, mighty things. And so we see this in, in Gideon, and to me this is a great uh, passage because we learn a lot about the holy spirit how he empowers he empowers for battle he empowers to rally that's a great concept that he empowers to rally the people to victory so when you see someone filled with the spirit this is okay i'm gonna go off okay this is one of the things the spirit of god will always you know it'll always bring unity now it might it might cut off people in terms of those who don't really want to follow as we see in in Gideon's life where, you know, he said, anybody who's afraid, go. Anyone who did this, they're out too. And he he pairs down. But when he has those 600, right? Am I right? 600? 300, sorry. Just doubled it. When, When he had 300, those 300 were completely united. The Spirit of God will always unite. The Spirit of God will not divide. The spirit of god will convict but the spirit of god will not condemn so when you see someone standing up and 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 and, and saying he's filled with the holy spirit and he's condemning i always say mm, eh, mm, you know mm, you know now if he's saying you know repent for the kingdom of god is at hand it's, it's possible that the holy spirit says that okay but you can recognize, you can start recognizing the Spirit in the way He works here. And this is an amazing passage. I love Gideon, I think he's quite an amazing guy. Okay? And then the other guy we see is Samson. Now, Samson, unlike uh, uh, Gideon, he's a man of compromise. And so we learn something a little different about uh, the Spirit here. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, commanding his mother. Uh, uh commanding his mother uh, to drink no wine to tell, make sure he doesn't drink any wine or beer or eat uh, uh or, or to eat nothing unclean for their son was to be a Nazarite uh from birth now a Nazarite vow is someone who was not to cut his hair he was to not uh drink any any uh alcohol it was a vow that that they were to take and then so just so you know this we learn that the parents can be a big influence on kids lives very important to learn that doesn't say anything about the spirit here but then all of a sudden we see it it says and when the son was born he named him samson and the lord blessed him as he grew up and the spirit of the lord began to stir in him while he was while he lived uh, in this place which was located between the towns of Zora and that other place okay sorry I refuse to say the name so you don't laugh at me okay so interesting he's using the word stir here so unlike Gideon who it came on him it seems that somehow the spirit was in him and he didn't even know it but all of a sudden he started recognizing that he had the spirit that's what we get here and we can learn something about the spirit here Uh, we're going to learn something interesting in a minute but what we can learn is that happens to people i i'm going to play my hand i'm going to show a little bit of my thoughts here Uh, it comes out later but when it comes to the idea of the spirit coming on someone and i believe with all my heart that happens in our day today we have to be careful in how we define that happening because in Gideon's time we see this amazing like you know in numbers we see this it never it never said that Moses basically was filled with the spirit never said it but we know that because the spirit from him was put on others you know and then we say oh well he had those experiences on the mountain yeah those are good ones the glory of god was so shining through him so i'm sure those all had to do with the holy spirit but it doesn't say it we can just kind of assume it all right but here we find someone who the spirit of god is in them but like it just takes time for them to recognize that happens today this is why we have to be careful that like you know if i pray for carol and i'm expecting the spirit to move on her and like you know and we don't i don't see anything happening all nothing happened well you don't know it could happen later on it could it could just be a stirring something you know inside her that she begins to move in a certain way i remember mr everett mr everett used to come to church every sunday he used to come because his wife made him come his whole family was christian he wasn't and I'll never forget the day, because I happened to be sitting behind him. And uh, the pastor gave, and, and he, was a, he was a quiet man. He was a really nice man, but a quiet man. And um, the pastor said, anybody want to receive Christ? He actually raised his hand. I mean, it was like, kind of like, I was so amazed that he would do it, because he'd come so many times. And he raised his hand that day. Now, he was not an expressional guy like me. He wasn't expressive but you could see a difference on him just in his smiles and his attitude just was changed even though he's a really nice guy before you could just see something was different in him it's a stirring it's a quiet thing so you just got to be careful how you judge the way the holy spirit works and in Samson's life it kind of is something like oh he kind of started realizing that he had the spirit of god in him All right and so there's basically three times where the spirit of god is mentioned in samson's life and basically you know it says like he shook himself you know and in these cases the word actually means like the spirit would kind of like rush on him and would like he would be like it would break upon him and that's why he had such power so it was like that's really the kind of uh, wording that it's used when it's talking about samson in his uh thing and so basically, we, if you know anything about his story, he kept compromising. Everything he wasn't supposed to do, he did. And then, he, of course, you know, we learned the biggest lesson of all in the whole story of Samson is women will always bring you down. No, no. <laughs> Everyone laughs. My wife gives me a dirty look. Anyways. <laughs> um, but, you know... Uh, and so every time he kind of now got into this attitude where he could actually kind of summon that rushing that's what's happening because it says he the enemy was coming and he kind of shook himself and somehow he got connected I, it doesn't say how but it would rush upon him and then he would have great mighty power All Right. so now we're going to learn a couple of things here about the spirit one is he gives power. We, we know this already, but always got a reference when we learn something. That's what, that's what happens. Now, the other thing we learn is that the Spirit can be controlled. Now, I'm not saying that in a negative way. I'm actually saying that in a positive way. You can call upon the Spirit, and he will come. That's what, basically, Samson would do. It said he would shake himself. I don't know what that means, other than he would just go... <laughs> And then, boom, you know, I don't know how he did it. Yeah, like the Incredible Hulk, exactly. He's the Incredible Hulk, right? But now we learn something really, really interesting about the Spirit. It says that last time, right, he went to shake. It says, Samson awoke, but the Spirit had left him. The Spirit had left him we see this kind of progression of compromises that somehow and i'm kind of saying in a way i don't know how else to say it it's diminishing of god's power of separation and 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 then finally the spirit of god leaves now this is not the only time we will find in saul's life we find almost the exact same wording where the spirit of god left saul Okay, we're going to see that if we get to it. We might get to it. Uh, so the Spirit of God left Saul. We see it at another time where it actually talks, and to me, one of the most, one of the saddest uh, 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 times in the Bible, where where they where they where the the Ark leaves, and they said Ichabod. Every time I say it, it just the word Ichabod means the Lord has departed. And so we see here, at least here, that the Spirit can come and the Spirit can leave. So we learn that, and it's through compromise, it seems to be, at least in Samson's life, that the reason why the Spirit left, and, 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 and let's go all the way back, let's, let's even go back to Genesis chapter 6, where it says, I can't contend with man anymore. I can't take it anymore. So there is an element of our lives where we, I don't know about you, but this this kind of puts a godly fear in me. I don't want to just come on Sunday mornings and jump around and and, and proclaim the goodness of God and, and get touched by God and get empowered by God and then during the week, compromise all week. Because i'm fearful that one day i'll come in and i'll shake and nothing will happen now systematic theology would throw me out the window at this point depending on which camp you're in but i just i'm just trying to look at the scriptures and be honest and say that the spirit of god left him now why it doesn't say why we can infer that it's partly, probably, probably because it wasn't because he cut his hair it was not because he cut his hair and i'll tell you why because he grew his hair back and he didn't have the power actually it wasn't until he repented that we see the power coming back and that's at the end of his life and i do believe he repented i do believe that actually he 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 if it, i think we're going to meet the incredible hulk in heaven i think we'll meet samson in heaven i believe he's a he's a, he's a believer and i believe god has, has welcomed him home Uh, but he had to give his life to do it you know so let's not get to that point right let's not compromise enough that pretty soon we wake up one morning and we don't even realize that the spirit of god left because that's what happens with saul Says he didn't even know that the spirit had left i don't i'm not one to really talk about fear in this context but let me tell you this is what puts godly fear in my life i don't want to lose the spirit and we'll see this more in David's life too. So, so this is the basically the, 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 the book of Judges and Samson is kind of uh, another as, aspect. So we're going to go into the historical books now uh, or, or more of the historical books, more of, oh, uh, did I go the wrong way? Sorry, where was it? Yeah, so we're going to go and talk about Samson, uh, Samuel and Saul and David. But before we do, any questions about that? How does that make you feel when I talk about this Spirit of God leaving? How many believe that the Spirit of God can can like really just leave? I believe that. I believe the Spirit of God can leave. Now, right away some people jump, does that mean we can lose our salvation? Hey, this is not, we're not talking about that. It's It's not saying anything of that. Now, I'm not saying you can't infer, but you can't, like make some judgments but but that's not what it's talking about it doesn't reference it just says he had no more power the spirit of god wasn't there any longer i'll keep going unless there's any comments or thoughts questions the one thing i will say uh, just because i know i'm not going to get to the new testament is what we find in the new testament there's not a coming and going coming and going coming and going and actually there's no reference here of that even in Samson's life it kind of says that the spirit of god was with him and then he shook so there's not this coming and going we don't see that so much and it would be it would be wrong to just state that that the spirit of god comes and goes comes and goes we don't see it but in in the new testament basically he said i will be with you forever we can talk about those other things and theology. Yeah. I, I actually, to be honest with you, I avoid, I'll, I'll be honest, I'll just say it now. Questions of losing your salvation, all that stuff, I, 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 I'm tired of those conversations. I, I, I am so tired of those. I am weary of them. Uh, I, can, I can argue both sides without any problem at all. And a matter of fact, if you really start studying it, they argue and they're only, they're, they're, this is how far apart they are when you're done. I mean, they're so close that it's almost impossible to tell the difference because they have to make excuses for their theology in, in the light of other theology. Both sides, both sides. So I weary on that. I, I, just, I just get weary of that because I'm not worried about whether you can lose your salvation. Are you following Jesus? Do you love him? Good. Are you not? Okay, let's pray that's where i'm at you know okay um anyways so let's talk about uh you know samuel kings and chronicles and and these are your three main dudes these are your big dudes these are the big ones and so first we have this idea i got to bring up this idea of oil because it's very symbolic in the old testament and basically it stands for the anointing of the spirit and we see this more in this but they did use this before this, the oil was used, and basically it's a used for a, um, a, a, like a separation unto God's use, which is really good uh, uh, theology for us today. That oil, no, I'm not saying the oil is good theology, but here what they would do is they would anoint. They would anoint uh, a people, and they would be set apart for God but in the, even before this, they did this with furniture. They would set, you know, they would anoint it with oil, and the furniture and, and the instruments, everything that was used in the in the in the tabernacle in the temple later, was set apart for God's use exclusively. And so, when the oil of the Lord, uh, the Holy Spirit, comes upon you, if I could say it that way symbolically, you are you are actually been separated unto God's use exclusively. Now, if that doesn't blow your mind and make you think twice about the way you live your life, I don't know what will, but that's exactly uh, what we see here. And obviously, in, the, in, the, um, in, the, in, in Exodus, they, they made this certain oil. It was a special oil that was supposed to be used, and they couldn't use it for anything else it was just used for that special anointing and i actually believe that samuel had that that's the oil he used when he anointed but again i believe that you notice i'm very careful when i say that because it doesn't say it anywhere but i believe that's the the, what he used okay so let's jump in and basically they anointed three different kinds of people they anointed prophets priests and kings they were anointed And they were anointed with this oil and we see it all over the place and it was consecrated so that they could serve their ministries or serve their mission or serve their purpose. And we can take this and we can bring it to today and say that we cannot do anything uh, for God without being anointed. can't. And that's why we use that term. It's a Christian term. We use it in our lives as a church and we say he's anointed for this ministry it's a proper term it's it's fine no one in the world understands what it is and so that's why i don't use it out there but we can say that have you been anointed for what you're doing and we can see you can see anointing you can see anointing on people i believe that okay how am i doing i'm just all right i'm doing good so basically you know uh you know uh i'll just we already said that uh yeah okay now one of the things we see here in the picture is that the old testament uh there's there's not an outpouring of the spirit on everyone i've already said this it's just the select people and again i've already said this rallying so i'm not going to repeat and then again one of the things we learn in the old testament is how the spirit like moves with people or on people We don't get a description of the spirit but we do see what he does when he moves people i'll just say it that way and that's what we learn in the old testament about the holy spirit now samuel kind of almost acts like the holy spirit it basically never really says that samuel was filled with the holy spirit but he was a prophet and when they reference a person as a prophet they they're kind of automatically saying that he has the holy spirit that he he moves for God. And in many ways, Samuel almost acts like the Holy Spirit in instances. Now, I don't want to draw too much, but he's the one who goes around and anoints. You know, and he anoints them. and He anoints, uh, he anoints both Sam, uh, Saul and David. Now, I find it very interesting as we see they both were directed. To, uh, uh, s- s- Samuel was directed to anoint them with this oil. They both were anointed to be kings. Uh, but there's a difference. Saul was actually this great guy. They said he was sh- big guy, you know, and he was, he was like above all others. It says, and David was this little kind of guy. So again, we learn: doesn't matter, statue doesn't matter, sex doesn't matter, you know. The Holy Spirit will anoint anyone. But there's a difference. When Saul's anointed, it's almost like he doesn't want it. You remember the story? He anoints him as king and he's hiding at the day of the inauguration. He doesn't even want to come out. He almost like resists the anointing of the spirit. It's like he doesn't want it. Does that sound like anything familiar today? When the Holy Spirit kind of speaks to you and says to do something, you don't want to do it? You know, calls you to do something, you're like, nah, not my calling, God. Well, yeah, it is. Don't hide from it. But David, when David's anointed, he like, he's already moving. He's already kind of in line. It's not even like anything really, it does change. He does change. But, but he's already moving in that direction. And, and I think that uh, with David, he's more of a guy that already knew the Lord. And so the anointing of the Lord was just something that just launched him. Versus Saul, I'm not sure, ever knew the Lord. Now, this is me talking. But then the Holy Spirit came on him, and he had never been trained. And in, 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 he never, like, kind of spent time with God. We know David did. But it never, should, it never says anything about Saul doing that. And so you've got this guy who's kind of untrained, uh, not really used to, like, even talking to God, all of a sudden filled with the Spirit and asked to do something you can understand why he would be so afraid because he hadn't learned anything yet now in the new testament says what don't make someone a leader too quick because it'll go to his head and it'll cause him to stumble and fall see all these things are similar in my opinion okay so saul now one of the things that I learned, and, and, and I learned to me about the, the, when I studied everything in the Holy Spirit, like when I say everything, I got a lot more to study, but what I mean is, as I went through this whole study, okay, what I, what I, what I did learn is very similar to what uh, Jesus said, of course, and he said what? He said, you, 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 you can't see the wind, but you can see its effect. And so what you do is you see the effects of the Holy Spirit on people as we've been studying. We already start seeing it earlier. You know, we see Gideon change. We see, we see uh, Samson, you know, he changed. We see, uh, we see, um, do, I'm getting tired. Anyways, we see those two, and now we see Saul, and we're going to see David. And what we see is when the Holy Spirit comes on, then there is a manifestation that happens something is visible you can see it and it's from the move of the Holy Spirit and so it says that the Spirit of the Lord uh, would come upon Saul and he would prophesy uh, with them and be changed into a different person so we see when the Holy Spirit came on him he was changed into a different person and he even prophesied and what I mean by prophesy they, they looked they said this dude is prophesying, so we don't know what that means. Like, well, we don't know what actually happened, but he could have been proclaiming the goodness of God. He could have been uh, talking about things about God that he didn't know. He could have been worshiping and 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 saying things out of his mouth. Something was happening physically because people saw it and they said, "What's he doing? Prophesying?" I didn't know kings could prophesy. So something was happening. Something visible was happening. And it says that, you know, Saul had took the flask and he poured it over his head and he kissed Saul and he said, I'm doing this because the Lord has anointed you to be ruler uh, and his special possession. So again, we see this idea of anointed to serve. Now, let's read the, the story. Basically, it says, as Saul turned and started to leave after the anointing, God gave him a new heart. So we learn when the Holy Spirit comes on someone, He gives them a new heart now doesn't that sound familiar if you've done any study and as we go through this we're going to see that the holy spirit's no difference in the old testament as he is in the new testament and all of saul's signs were fulfilled that day samuel's signs were fulfilled and saul and his servant arrived in gibeah and they saw a group of prophets coming down towards them and the spirit of god came powerfully upon saul and he too uh, began to prophesize and when those who knew Saul heard about it they exclaimed what is even Saul a prophet how did this son of uh, Kish uh, become a prophet and one of those standing them, can anyone become a prophet no matter who his father is Woo! so it doesn't matter so what did I say God didn't care about stature the Holy Spirit doesn't care about stature he doesn't care about like how big you are, how tall you are. He doesn't care whether you're a man or a woman, and he doesn't care what uh, uh, clan or what family you came from. It's a beautiful thing about the Spirit. Okay? And then just on the side, I did write this down, because what you'll see on this background, uh, going through the 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 book of uh, Kings and Samuel and Chronicles, there's this school of... M- prophets that somehow arises and they have a school where they actually teach now very little talked about it there's a little bit more later in uh, uh isaiah's time i mean uh Elijah, elijah's time but but it's it's just it's kind of this background thing a school of prophets now i'm sure there's a book written on it and i can get it and if there isn't i probably should write one and if i write one i can make some money Um, what was that book that came out? The blessing of. You have it, Jabez. The Jabez prayer, the Jabez prayer. Anybody, how many have heard the Jabez prayer? Yeah. Okay. Right. How many? How many scriptures in the in the in the Bible in the as one verse? One verse. A whole book was written on one verse, and that book sold like hotcakes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The prayer that the guy revelation that the guy got it worked for him. That's for sure. <laughs> One verse, they wrote a whole book and it became a bestseller. I read the book. I'm like, mm, "Yeah, mm. I, that's what I did the whole time I'm reading the book." Yeah, maybe. Yeah, okay, maybe. Yeah. yeah that's a good argument, you know. Cuz that's what it was. It was a total book from the an argument from silence. I'm not saying it was wrong. I'm just saying one verse. Very dangerous. Very, very dangerous. Okay, so, you know, there's the school of prophets. We should write a book. Make some money. (laughs) Now, Saul is almost a mirror of Samson because what we find in Saul's life is this continue of disobedience. Continued disobedience. And then from that disobedience, the Spirit of God left him. And now it says, and now the Spirit of the Lord left Saul, and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. Now, okay, now we have another theology. Here we go. God both sends terrifying spirits and the Holy Spirit. Not necessary. Maybe. Maybe. I'm not going to say no, because I'm not going to argue but what I believe is that tormenting spirit is from the leaving of the Lord and knowing better, you're tormented. Now, I know many people who, who I just talked to one Friday night who's tormented because he knew the Lord or he knows, the, or let's say it this way, he knows the Lord, but he's not with the Lord. And he's tormented by that. Because he wants to give his life over, but he doesn't want to give his life over. He's tormented. and I believe that's kind of what's going on with Saul. He's tormented because he had the spirit. He prophesied he was powerhouse. And now he's nothing because he doesn't have the spirit. He's tormented. And then uh, same expression. It's the same exact expression, expression as in Samson. He, the, the spirit of God left him. And then and then we go to David a little bit more with David now. Finally this the Saul himself went to Oh yeah, there was one more time that Saul actually had the spirit one more time. He was coming out to kill David and basically he fell down and he began to prophesy kind of as he was approaching. He tore his robe and he laid naked on the ground all day and night prophesying in the presence of Samuel very interesting very 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 interesting but this is totally different than the first time and when you read and you study it you'll find that what's happening here is it's not so much that he was filled with the holy spirit it was just an effect of the spirit almost like he was in the presence of the spirit and then he just fell on his face and like was like prophesying because he knew he was in the presence but it doesn't really indicate when you read like and you study this that the spirit was in him that makes sense that happens all the time you have people come my friend I won't say his name uh, a Muslim brother who comes said, how come every time I come into your services I cry how come because he's sensing something it's all around him you know and he knows it's there but maybe he doesn't really know what it is but he's trying to figure it out this happens to all of us we we have this sense that God's around us and we you know that's what's kind of happening here with Saul all right I'm doing pretty good I think I'm going to finish everything I'm glad I stopped where I stopped 35 slides in now David is a totally different kind of breed than Saul. And this is what makes David the man. It's 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 fair to say that David understood the Spirit better, and I could almost say it this way, better than anyone else in the Old Testament. He was so intimate with the Spirit of God, he understood the Spirit and and, and, and he was like a New Testament. Walking believer in the Old Testament. Now we have a few of those, but, but David is like he's way up there. And that's why everybody loves him so much. It says now, but now we're going to see that when the spirit comes on David, some of the similar things happen, even though the result is different. It says now so the Lord said to Saul, uh, Samuel, uh, you have mourned long enough as Saul, because he really loves Saul. And he says, I have rejected him as the king so fill your flask with olive oil and go to uh, bethlehem and you'll find a man named jesse who's uh who lives there for i have selected one of his sons to be my king but the lord and then later on it says but the lord said to solomon because we know what happens right brother after brother comes and the lord keeps saying to samuel nope 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 you know it's funny how The father doesn't even think of David. It's what happens to us sometimes when we look at stature versus what God wants. We pick the charismatic guy, not the guy filled with the Spirit. We we pick the the one, the businessman, rather than the the guy who has the power. Very interesting how we've got to be careful with this. So he said, do not judge with the outward appearance uh, or height, uh, for I have rejected them, these guys. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. Uh, people judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So David stood among the brothers, and Saul, Samuel uh, touched, uh, t- uh, took the flask of olive oil, and he brought it and anointed David with oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him powerfully. And this is where the difference between Saul and Saul, and 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 david is from that day on that's like a powerful powerful statement that like when when it was almost like it was like the seal of the holy spirit boom he has the power and the holy spirit is staying with him from that day on and so this anointing is different uh from that day on the difference might be, and I do believe this, the difference is that David kind of already knew the Lord. So this was like an empowering of something he already knew. It would, and this, I believe, is when we learn about this, when we start see, if you, if you notice, I'm starting to say the same thing over and over again. Why? Not because I believe it, just because it's evident. And so what we'll see is, and we see this in the New Testament, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, this, this empowering of the Holy Spirit you're already in god and now the lord just kind of goes Dish, and, and gives you more power that's the anointing power of the holy spirit i now i'm getting ahead and i'm preaching but in the book of acts in acts chapter two i believe like i always ask the question when when we're talking about the baptism of the holy spirit when were the disciples saved when were they believers when do you believe they were believers now some will say Okay, that when, when when they left their nets and followed, that's when some people say that's when they became followers of Jesus. When they left their nets and they started following. Some would say, well, when 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 Peter said, you know, you have the words of eternal life, and we believe and come to know that you are the Holy One of God, he said, The Holy Spirit has he said, the Holy Spirit has shown you that. He knew. How about at the Mount of Transfiguration? Whoa! <laughs> come on now, you know? Right? Okay, none of those times, all right? And then all of a sudden, here's uh, um, the resurrection. You know, Jesus comes in, even before Acts 1-8, right? He comes in and says, here, check, check it, check it, check it, all right? Thomas falls on his knees and said, you the Lord. And what does Jesus say? Finally, you believe. Okay? So, I mean, when, okay, when? Acts 1.8, I mean, you know, when, when, they're, when they're walking around with Jesus, he, he came back and they're, they're spending days with him. 40 days they spent with the resurrected Savior. I mean, if they don't believe by now, I, I, but some will, some will say Acts chapter 2. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I, don't, I believe Acts chapter 2, was the empowering of the Holy Spirit. I believe they already kind of believed and they already knew, but now the Holy Spirit was going to come on them in power. That's why I believe in a subsequent experience, if I could say it that way. Uh, but we're, we're, I'm getting ahead. But I, I'm just saying that we see this here in David's life. We see him already. I mean, he was a shepherd. He was already writing songs about God when he was out in the, in the, in the, in the fields. You know, he was already writing songs about God. And so now all of a sudden he comes in, right? He had already killed the lion. He had already killed the bear. I mean, this dude was already kind of like walking in God. And now the oil gets put on him and the power of God comes on him. And now instead of, you know, being able to to run, you know, a five minute mile, he can run a three minute mile basically the idea here and so we we find this in his life and and it says about david's anointing that he was a man after god's own heart that he had like this different reaction he wasn't full of disobedience like saul but he was full of obedience he was in you want to talk about obedience this dude wouldn't even kill the guy who was killing him he was he was very obedient okay and, and, you know, Saul would make uh, excuses, and he'd be defensive when he, when he made mistakes. And what was David doing? David was admitting when he made mistakes. And when we look at Psalm 51, we can see so much of the reference of the Holy Spirit. He knew, so what does he say? Lord, don't take the Spirit from me. Now, if you know Psalm 51, it's the great uh, prayer of repentance, or song of repentance, after Nathan said dude you murdered you committed adultery and then you tried and you and then you murdered her the husband and he held it he 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 didn't want anybody to know and then finally he admits it and what's his first thing god uh, against thee and thee only have i done what is wrong in thy sight that is why thou art great uh, thou art right when you judge sorry I, i have the king james version memorized you know but then he says what don't Take, I mean, his prayer is don't take the spirit from me I wonder if he knew from seeing Saul those times of being tormented he saw what it was like to be without the spirit he goes I don't want that I don't want that don't take the spirit from me he says and then he says create in me a pure heart a, a clean heart You know, this idea of create goes back to this idea of divine activity in his life create in me God have the Holy Spirit create in me. Renew a right spirit within me. Don't cast me away from your presence or your Holy Spirit. See, he, he was intimate with the Spirit of God. He was a New Testament believer. I, I believe this. He was a New Testament believer in an Old Testament body. Really, I, no one like him. I mean, over and over again, we see in the Psalms, you know, restore to me the joy of my salvation, right? Second Sam, Samuel says, the spirit of the Lord speaks through me. His words are uh, on my tongue. And then he says in, in, in Psalms 139, where can I go from your spirit? Psalm 143, he recognizes that God's spirit is good. And he says, teach me to do your will for, for you are my God May your good spirit lead me uh, on level ground. Search me, O Lord God, and see if there be any wicked way and lead me into the path of living, he says. Over and over again, he is intimate with the Holy Spirit. Very intimate with the Holy Spirit. And so we see a man who can walk very close to the spirit and we can see that it's the spirit of God that empowers him and causes him to move and do great things. yeah I'll, I'll just reference it very interesting here is one area that got developed over David's lifetime and I think it started when you see him uh, when he was called to play for a Saul to get rid of this the, the tormenting spirit we start seeing this idea of worship through music having power because then we start seeing it they would take him out in the armies we did see it earlier in uh in in um it doesn't say that they were playing music but i kind of believe that when they were marching around jericho and the guys were out in front it's probably good chance that they were playing music but um we see it uh, developing even more and that's why david he got the 20 he got the, the the guys to be like 24 hours worship in the in the in the temple 24 hours. All right, I'm going to stop here. I think I did good.